Praise the Lord. Glory to God tonight. Well, I trust this is a good word for a Sunday night. No intercessor. I'm going to begin with Acts chapter 8. There are a few verses down at the end of this passage that have intrigued me for many years. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this, Isaiah 53. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself? or some other man. I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and, beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Isaiah 53, the heart of the Isaiah book, the salvation of the Lord. It's, we understand it, it's the suffering servant of the Lord, the suffering Messiah, the one who gave his life. For us, it's very clear that Isaiah 53 is all about Jesus Christ and the cross. But obviously, it, it's not that easy to determine. There was discussion. I mean, Isaiah the prophet, those words were written 700 B.C., 700 years. The people of God had read Isaiah 53 and said, who is the prophet talking about? Is he talking about himself? Is he talking some man? Some say it can be referring to the Messiah. The Bible says that Philip opened his mouth and preached to him Jesus. So we understand and know that the first and foremost interpretation of Isaiah 53 relates to Jesus Christ and the suffering of the cross, the Lamb of God who gave his life for us. That is first and foremost, and that is the apostolic teaching. Here are some words from Isaiah 53. Other words, 12 verses in this chapter. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And Jehovah has laid on him, the Lord has laid on him, the iniquity of us all. Verses 10 to 12. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. 
He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, bring them into right relationship with God. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. That's our Lord and our Savior. That's our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us, poured out his soul as an offering for sin, made intercession for the transgressors, bore the weight of our iniquity and sin before the Father God, and bore the punishment for our sin to bring us into a right relationship with God. Isaiah 53, Acts chapter 8, what the eunuch was reading, Jesus Christ first and foremost. In 2015, when I was first in the land of Israel on a tour, and we had a practicing Jewish tour guide, and we got to know him quite well, and as everyone knows, the whole tour industry in Israel, and I think it's their number one enterprise, it is, is all about Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, the Messiah. They're all making a living off the biblical event. And so after a few days, I felt comfortable enough to ask them, I say, how, did, how do you interpret, like, how did you miss or how did your nation, and even you yourself, how do you refute Isaiah 53? I mean, it's so clear. This suffering Messiah, the one who would give his life, and the one who would pour out his soul unto death, and justify many. How can you deny Isaiah 53 in relation to Jesus of Nazareth? You say he was another messianic claimant, a false Messiah, and put to death by the Jews and the Romans because of it? How do you deny Isaiah 53? He said, oh, he said, the rabbis interpret Isaiah 53 in relation to the nation of Israel, the sufferings that the nation of Israel have gone through and are going through throughout the history of the world. Despised and rejected of men, oppressed and downtrodden, persecuted and overcome many times. He said Isaiah 53 is symbolic. It speaks of the Jewish nation as a man under the sufferings of this world. Of whom was the prophet speaking of himself or some other man? Some say he was speaking, some say that Isaiah was speaking of himself as the prophet of the Lord in a very difficult time, a backslidden nation of Israel apostate in heart, following idols and following their own ways. And Isaiah was called to bear the iniquity of that nation, not sacrificially, but prayerfully before God. To do all he could by his knowledge and by his intercession to bring out a remnant of people that would serve the Lord and how he was crushed and broken and despised. Was he speaking of himself? Tradition has it that Isaiah did pour out his soul unto death, and as is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, he was martyred by being sawn asunder. He was put to the saw and shredded through. 
Isaiah 53, Jesus Messiah, the Old Testament Israel nation, the prophet himself. But I like what the eunuch said. Was he speaking this of himself or some other man? And that other man is you, if you will receive it tonight. There is a holy call on every one of our lives to be intercessors, to pour out our soul unto death, to bear the iniquities of people and their lawlessness in prayer burden and intercession and calling on God, that we would learn the knowledge of the Lord so that we could bring people into right relationship with God, that we would pour out our souls in travail and intercession to see people made right with God, despised, rejected, a world that hates us for our stance and for our gospel, but we are willing to be the servants of the Lord. Did he speak this of some other man? And that man is you. And that woman is you, if you will receive it. Isaiah 59 and verse 16, verse 15. So truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. The God of heaven wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him, and his own righteousness, it sustained him. But he was looking for somebody in the earth. He was looking for a man. He was looking for a woman. He's looking for people that will be intercessors and stand in the gap. There's, there are two things that the Lord is searching for, and his eyes go to and fro throughout the whole earth tonight. He ponders, the Bible says, his eyes ponder the way of every man and every woman, every person in this place. There are two things that the Lord is searching for. Number one, worshipers, John 4, 23. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. He's searching for worshipers. Father, search no more. I'm here. He's searching for intercessors. Ezekiel 22, verse 30 to 31. So I sought for a man. I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one, no intercessor. Therefore, I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath, and I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord. He couldn't find an intercessor, and his wrath and judgment fell. The Lord's looking for intercessors tonight, men and women that will seek him and follow him and pour out their lives, that will see the travail of our soul. By our righteousness, many would come to Christ. By our stance for the gospel, by our prayers, by our intercessions, that many would come to Christ. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the Lord wondered. On that night of the crucifixion, he couldn't find an intercessor. 
He wondered that there was no intercessor. He said, this is the power of darkness. This is the night of darkness. And the enemy is having his way in the earth. The enemy is after souls and after people. There's darkness and gross darkness upon the people. And the Lord said, I'm going through to give my life to redeem a nation, to redeem the people of earth. He wondered that there was no intercessor. There wasn't a disciple that could even watch and pray for one hour. He wondered. No intercessor. Matthew 26, verse 37, And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. It's too late now. You missed your opportunity. The Lord wondered that there was no intercessor. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1 says, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Four kinds of prayer, supplications, prayers, general requests, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Intercession is intense session. Intense session. Inter an intercessor is one who pleads with God on behalf of others. God is looking for intercessors. Those who would intercede, it says, for all men, for the nations of the earth, for souls around the world, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. An army of intercessors, a people that will plead with God on the behalf of men. People that will get into intense session when they move into the prayer hour in the presence of the Lord. The Apostle Paul, Galatians 4.19 said, My little children, for whom I labor or travail in birth again until Christ is formed in you. He was speaking to the churches of Galatia. He said, I travailed once and you were born again. You came into creation. Prevailing prayers, travailing prayers brought forth birth. But he said, now I'm travailing again that Christ be formed in you. Formation, transformation, maturity, growth, discipleship, fruitfulness in the Lord. 
The Apostle Paul knew he had to travail for creation and he had to travail for formation in the lives of the people. He commended one of the men in the church at Colossae, chapter 4 and verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. A people, that's what the Bible teaches, that stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. The inference is clear. If you don't have laborers, if you don't have people like Epaphras laboring fervently, the church is going to stand in immaturity and weakness and lives will not develop into the glory of Christ that they should. The Lord wondered that there was no intercessor. No intercessor. Isaiah 66, 7-8. I love these words in relation to the church, to Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. Isaiah was prophesying, said before she was in labor, before the church was in labor, she gave birth. It's that quick. Didn't even have time really to get all the labor pains on. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child, strong, vibrant, holy. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? This is a miraculous birth. This is a miraculous kingdom. This is a holy city. This is a holy nation. Who has seen such a thing? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Impossible. The earth brings forth fruit, and it's slow, a little at a time, season after season. It takes a long time to get fruit out of the earth. Or shall a nation be born at once? Nations aren't born at once. Nations develop by degrees, over time, years and months, decades and even centuries, and finally a nation stands in its power and its glory. But not so with the holy nation. For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. We're not praying and then saying, well, it might be years down the road when we see some fruit and we see, when we see some harvest. God says, as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. We expect results immediately when we travail and we call on the name of the Lord. We expect change in the church. We expect transformation in lives. We expect the Holy Spirit to rest on people and bring them forth in the godliness that they need because it's a quick work. As soon as Zion travailed, my, how important it is for us to travail. As soon as we are in labor, she gave birth to her children. God says, shall I bring to the time of birth and not cause delivery, says the Lord? Shall I who cause delivery shut up the womb, says your God? My, we have such a miraculous life to live. Prayer power, intercession, intense sessions with God, pleading on the behalf of others. And as soon as we begin to travail and pour out our hearts for souls and intercede for justification and righteousness, we see the results happening immediately because the God of heaven answers our prayers. The prayer of the upright is his delight. Is his delight. In Genesis 18... Abraham pulled for souls. 
The Lord was coming down to judge Sodom and Gomorrah for their sin. The Bible says, Then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. He had some relatives. He had some prodigal relatives down in Sodom. He had a nephew, Lot. Lot and his family were compromised, and some of the sons and daughters had fallen away from the Lord. Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? He said, Lord, far be it from you that you would treat the righteous as you treat the ungodly. This is not your manner, O Lord. Shall not the judge of the whole earth do right? He said, Lord, if you, if you find 50, 50 people, righteous people down in Sodom, will you spare the city? Abraham interceding, pleading with the Lord. The Lord said, if I find 50, I won't destroy the city. Abraham said, Lord, I'm just dust, but you put your miracle life in me, and I have standing with you. I stand before the Lord. Abraham stood before the Lord. He said, Lord, if there are 45, the Lord said, I won't destroy the city for 45. He said, Lord, forgive me for being so bold. I, I hope I'm not transgressing. And the Lord says, no, intercessors, come on in. Lord, if there be... 40 in the city. The Lord says, I won't destroy it for 40. He said, Lord, don't be angry with me, Lord. I'm not sure there are 40. Lord, if there are 30 in the city, will you spare the city? The Lord says, for 30, I'll spare it. He says, again, Lord, don't be angry with me. I, if there are 20, the Lord says, if there's 20, he said, Lord, just one more request. I take it upon myself, Lord, if there be 10 found in that city, will you spare the city? The Lord said, I will spare it for 10. But the Lord couldn't find ten. And the judgments of God fell, but how can you not love Genesis 19, 29? And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. God remembered Abraham and delivered Lot the Bible says some save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even garments spotted by the flesh. You mean righteous men and women can pull people out of the fire like Abraham pulled Lot and his two daughters out of the fire? The Bible says we can. Let's go and stand before the Lord. Let's begin to plead. Let's have an intense session with God like never before. And let's cry out the travail of our soul the travail of our praying soul for the sons and daughters of earth, people that come to Christ. In Exodus 17, Moses up on the hill. Moses was pulling for souls because an enemy was against the people of God. He was pushing the people of God back. He didn't, be, he didn't want them to go on to their inheritance. The enemy Amalek trying to take out the discouraged, the Bible says, the sluggish, the disappointed, the weary. Moses said, I've got to get my hands up on the hill, start interceding. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Is it that critical? 
The Bible says it is. Well, it doesn't matter if I have my hands up seeking God. The Bible says it's highly important. Highly important. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. That's Bible revelation. That's Bible knowledge. That's spiritual understanding. Moses understood, if I can keep my hands up, and I plead the promises of God, and I intercede, and I stand for Israel, and I stand for the people of God, that they will have victory, and they will prevail. As long as my hands are up and my mouth is open in intercession, the forces of the Lord are going forth on my behalf. Moses let his hands down. I wonder what's going to happen. Saw Amalek encroaching once again he said i've got to get my hands up i wonder how many more people i can pull into victory he said i wonder how many more people i can deliver from amalek today i wonder how many enemies i can break if i just keep my hands up oh they're tired but just a few more minutes i'm going to keep my hands up and i'm going to press into god for a few more minutes for more people to have victory in their lives today and as he prayed and as the spirit of faith was so was the reward, and so was the result. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Groanings and gushings and yearnings and longings and aches and cries down in our spirit that we can't even put into our proper words. They come out in tongues, speaking in other tongues. They come out in gushings of the spirit. They come out in groanings. These are the tra travails of the Holy Spirit in us. We don't know what we, we should pray for as we ought. But the Bible says there's one who does, the Holy Spirit, who's in us and rests upon us, and he will pray through us with groanings, with gushings, with utterings of the Spirit, utterance of the Spirit. Listen, we need to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Repent and be baptized in water and get baptized in the Holy Spirit so you have utterance, so you can stand in prayer and pour in the presence of God, pour for souls, pour for life, pour for the kingdom of God, pour for increase. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Ask the Lord tonight, ask the Lord to make you an intercessor. Why would we save our life when we can spend it for the gospel? Pouring out our lives to the end of our days for intercession and for people. <clears throat> Ask the Lord to make you an intercessor, to pray deep groaning prayers for yourself, for your family, <clears throat> for the nations of the world, for a sinful world, a spirit burden for souls. He shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. How far are you willing to go with God into this realm? The Lord wondered that there was no intercessor.
They didn't want to take up the burden. <clears throat> Had too many other things to do. How far are we willing to go and surrender to be intercessors for the Lord? Are you willing or are you satisfied with your prayer life tonight? Or do you find it weak and unsubstantial? You don't know what it means that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. You don't quite feel that you're praying in that dimension. Then ask God for the Holy Spirit. Ask God to make you an intercessor. Ask God to let the Holy Spirit rest upon you and his word be in you in power that it comes forth with utterance that makes a difference and secures the will of God. Because that's the counsel of the word of the Lord. Learn to pray in the Holy Spirit. Learn to pour out your life for transgressors. Praying hide. An incredible intercessor for souls. He's the man who went to India, 1892. I think it was 1890, yeah, 1892 to 1912. And the Lord challenged him after a while, but he could see tremendous results as he and other men began to intercede for churches that were lukewarm and cold and a convention that didn't have a lot of power of God in it. But these men began to intercede and call on God with great fervency. And the whole atmosphere of the conventions changed. And people were set on fire for God. And ministers were set on fire for the gospel. He felt challenged to pray for a soul a day for a year and then two souls a day the next year and then four souls a day the year after and God met every one of his prayers as he poured out his soul. But listen to this, man so full of the Spirit, the end of his days came under some tremendous weakness and they finally took him to the doctor. Said the next morning the doctor said, John Hyde, the, the heart is in an awful condition. I have never come across such a bad case as this. Your heart has been shifted out of its natural position on the left side to a place over on the right side. Through stress and strain, it is in such a bad condition that it will require months and months of strictly quiet life to bring it back again to anything like its normal state. The doctor asked him, What have you been doing with yourself? Dear Hyde said nothing. He only smiled. But we who knew him and knew the cause his life of incessant prayer day and night, praying exceedingly with many tears for converts, for his fellow laborers, for his friends, and for the church in India. Worship team, come please. Let's stand together tonight. Isaiah 62, let's close out with these words. For Zion's sake, for the church of Jesus Christ, the holy hill of Zion, for Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns. Verse 6, I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day nor night. 
They shall never hold their peace, day nor night, watchmen on the walls of the holy Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, the church. These watchmen don't simply observe. They pray. They shall never hold their peace, day nor night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent and give him no rest till he establishes and till he makes his church a praise in the earth, that all over the earth people know the church of Jesus Christ, its strength, its power, its healing, the work it does, the wonder of the church of Jesus Christ. Watchmen on the walls. Well, I don't know about you, but I want to say, Lord, no intercessor. We're all here. No more, the Lord has to say, no intercessors, because the intercessors have arrived. The intercessors are in the house of God. The intercessors are walking the streets. The intercessors are on the job. The intercessors are in the marketplace. They're walking everywhere. They're talking in tongues. There might be a silent prayer under their lips, but they're walking with the power of God in the earth to see the salvation of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's open up our hearts and lift our hands to the Lord tonight. Ask the Lord to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Fill you fresh with the Holy Spirit. Perhaps you've had a strong prayer life in the past, but people have come and times have come and distractions have come and your prayer life has fallen. But tonight you hear the Holy Spirit saying to you, I want you to be an intercessor. I called you to be an intercessor. Why don't we be like old Simeon all the days of our life as we grow older till the time of our going to be with the Lord, that we are those that are crying out for the consolation, for the comfort of the church of Jesus Christ pouring out our lives to see the vision of the Lord established. Hallelujah. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Let's ask the Lord for a fresh anointing of his Holy Spirit tonight for prayer. That we will listen to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. Those hours we put to many other things that at times the Holy Spirit would draw us, say, come close to me, come get in the word, come pour out your soul, come and see the labor of your soul and be satisfied. For God would divide a portion with the strong. You want the spoils of spiritual warfare? The Lord will divide a portion with the strong, with the intercessors. And so, Lord, we give ourselves to you tonight in Jesus' name. Come and rest upon this church and upon this body, upon each of us, Lord. Be a greater development, Lord, in prayer, greater development in groaning and gushings of the Spirit. That truly, Lord, there would be a travail for as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children.